Hello everybody and welcome to 8Y Dyslexia podcast titled All Things Dyslexia. It's such a privilege to be back um, talking to uh, our guest um, across the globe, across the world about um, dyslexia and hence the title All Things Dyslexia. First of all, I'd like to introduce myself. My name is Elizabeth Techi. I am the founder of 8Y Dyslexia. Um, I've got dyslexia, dyspraxia, dyscalculia and I also have a condition with Erlen's syndrome, visual stress. Um, and it's such a privilege this, um, today, I don't want to say this evening, today, to have um, the amazing Georgia O'Donoghue. O'Donohue. Um, part of my dyslexia is pronunciation, you know, problems with words. So um, welcome to A2I Dyslexia podcast, Georgia. Um, before we start, I'd like to say a very big thank you to the um, London Community Foundation for um, sponsoring this programme, or the podcast, rather. And um, we're really grateful to have got the funding to be able to run uh, the podcast, which, um, which is amazing. It can go into so many homes and people can listen to, to the podcast in their own time. Now, today's title is Dyslexia, How to Reach Your Full Potential at University. The amazing guest I've got with me, Georgia, um, is a student at the moment studying theology and religious studies. Um, at a very prestigious university and she is dyslexic but her dyslexia was diagnosed from a very young age. Now before I go on and tell you a bit more about her I'm going to introduce Georgia to tell you a little bit about herself and why she's passionate to support other dyslexics both at university and outside of university and also the strategies she uses at university particularly during this lockdown and how she managed to study. Georgia welcome to HY Dyslexia podcast All Things Dyslexia. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Elizabeth. It's really um, wonderful to be able to join thank you. Thank you. Do you want to just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, like your biography and who you are? My name's Georgia O'Donoghue, so you got it spot on, Elizabeth. <laughs> it's a tricky one. Um, so yeah, as Elizabeth was was saying, I, I was diagnosed at a, at a young age with dyslexia, around seven. Um, a struggle to get the diagnosis as I can imagine is with most um I went through most of my schooling being told that um I was lazy I was not focusing I wasn't really going to do anything with my life I just couldn't be bothered even with that dyslexic diagnosis um, I was told at one point not even to bother taking my English literature GCSEs um, because I had other, ra- other paths and routes that I could go down. Um, but now um, I'm studying religion, philosophy and ethics at King's College London. Uh, privileged to be at that university and doing what I'm doing. And I just feel so passionately, and I've shared this with Elizabeth before, about being lucky enough to be in the position where other I am in, where I am confident with my dyslexia diagnosis and I can have been given the opportunities and the tools to be able to move forward with it as an asset. And I feel that if there is any way that I can help, it is it is my duty and my privilege to be able to help. And yeah, that's, that's how I stumbled across A2I. That's so fantastic. Honestly, it's such a privilege to have you because your actual journey with dyslexia is so inspiring. 
and for you know anybody that's listening particularly you're very young if I can say very young <laughs> um, and, and, and really sort of giving your time and being passionate about supporting other people with dyslexia is one of the most amazing things I mean when you contacted A2I I was just blown away I thought how wonderful is that to be able to give back to community I know you're studying and I know it must be particularly really hard at this time during um, COVID-19 and you know, you're stuck at home studying and it's not like how we used to do it. And also find time to support other people who need help. It's just absolutely phenomenal. And there's no words I can use to describe uh, the amazing stuff that you're doing. You're going to make me blush, Elizabeth, stop oh, it. <laughs> bless you. <laughs> bless you. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you so much once more. And just, um, you know, anybody that's listening, today's title is Dyslexia, How to Reach Your Full Potential um, at University. Now, Georgia, I'm going to go to my first question. What strategies and tools have you used to manage your dyslexia throughout your education? It's, it's a really good one. And I think, I think what people don't realise is that they evolve as you evolve and as you get more use to your diagnosis. So where I am now, um, I use a lot of colour, a lot of paper, a lot of mind maps. Um, I have to buy my university textbooks because I can't read it off the screen and process it so you can't see but just in this room there's thousands of books <laughs> that have been pulled apart that have been written in that have been crossed out annotated over um, and very kinesthetic which is the type of learning where you have to be doing something so having those books in my hand is really important but when I was younger I was a lot more audio and visually um dependent and so I would have to watch a demonstration or if something was being explained to me in a science class I'd have to go home and watch 24 hours in A&E or helicopter rescue to understand like biology and things like that um, and then what's happened for me is those have all amalgamated now into one where I have a toolkit and I have a choice of what I can use um, to manage my dyslexia for my education. So if for some reason I'm hitting a dead end with, you know, destroying all these wonderful books, then I'll get up, um, I'll get up a video or I'll get up uh, an audio explanation. And I suppose that's one of the good things about the pandemic and education moving online is those audio visual resources are a lot more accessible. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a picking and choosing for me now with those things. Right. So, I mean, just let our listeners hear what subject are you studying at the moment? I know you probably said that in your introduction, but there must be a lot of reading with um, theology and is it religious studies? Yeah, so degree is religion, philosophy and ethics, but it's under the theology and religious studies department at King's College. Um, so... I have due mid-March about 8,500 words worth of essays for five different subjects. Um, it is a lot of reading. It's between, it can be between, goodness me, 12 and 20 hours a week, depending on how many modules are split between the semesters. And it is an essay, um, an essay-based um, humanity subject. So yeah, I... I was very, very aware of that going into it, that there would be a lot of reading, a lot of writing, a lot of me banging my head against the wall when I wasn't getting something. So, so yeah. how, what, what tools do you use as a dyslexic to read all these texts that you're talking about and to uh, uh, retain it in your, 
in your memory, because I know part of my dyslexia is I will read that textbook and I'll go for a cup of tea or maybe step out of the room and I'll come back and I can't remember anything. Yeah, I totally get you. So what I, that's why I annotate them so much. And, and that's why um, I describe myself as kinesthetic. So if I just sit and read a book, then that's not going in. Like you say, I've gone for a cup of tea and it's gone. All those facts have gone. Um, but if I'm sat there with a book and I've got a pen in my hand and I've got a highlighter and I've got sticky notes and I'm able to track my thought process, whether that's in the book itself or on a bit of paper, whether that's... Um, Sometimes I'll, I've got a whole row of different colour highlighters, there's about 20 different colours, and they'll be scattered around the room and they'll mean different things. I'll use post-it notes in exam season to help trigger, um, trigger off different things. Um, but the thing that I've definitely come to appreciate more as I've gotten older and as, because university education is so different to your GCSE and your A-levels, there's much more independent thought. And I think one of the other really important things that is different about university education, because it is such a leap, is that you can take the time to process your own thoughts. You are not having to regurgitate and puppet out someone else's thoughts. And I find it really important now in order to like move things from that short term to long term memory to be able to process is to take a quiet few moments and just allow it to wash over me and allow myself to think and be involved in that moment and whatever you call it meditation mindfulness it doesn't need a label but giving yourself that time I think is really important as well wonderful fantastic I remember when I was at uni and I don't know if they still do this at university but we used to get little stickers to stick on there to say hi I have dyslexia so when they're marking the work, they take into consideration that grammatically and structure and that. I don't know that if they're still doing that. Yeah. So yeah, we get an online cover sheet. My mum had the stickers as well when she was doing her law degree. Um, but no, so we get a full blown cover sheet with all the um, neglect. You they they obviously will pick up on your spelling and your punctuation and your grammar. Don't ask me how to use commas. I still do not know. It doesn't matter how many special ed classes I've been in I've got no idea <laughs> so they'll still pick up on that but it doesn't count towards your marking which is really good and I've I found that my lecturers have been incredibly supportive and once they've seen that I've got dyslexia most of them will reach out as well and go is there anything you need me to change do you need me to change my powerpoints do you need me to do this or that which is a vast departure from especially my GCSE education, completely different. Yeah, and of course, um, when I was at uni again, I would get the notes up front, you know, get the PowerPoints up front. And then obviously, um, you know, because I had to kind of understand what's been taught before even going into the, into the lecture theatre. Um, so for me, it was like something that would take somebody without dyslexia an hour would probably take me four, five, six hours to grasp everything. So it's a lot harder, yeah. But it's, all, it's also achievable, isn't it? It is achievable. It is achievable once the, the, the battle is working out how you learn and working out how you learn and then giving yourself permission to learn differently. Because especially when it's our, even if you're diagnosed young or you're diagnosed later, giving yourself permission to go, actually, I'm not 
strange for learning in a different way actually when I do this I'm better than my peers and you've got to give yourself it's hard to give yourself permission to to be comfortable with that and that's a huge step as well of course thank you so much for that now my second question you might have already answered it but I'll ask anyway what have been the challenges of switching to remote learning as a dyslexic student and how have you overcome that you've probably answered some of it if that's um, if my question was too long I can break it up for you you're okay with that I think I've yeah. got it just so well. <laughs> it has been it has been a real challenge. I think I mentioned that one of the positives was that um, so the way that our lecturers are doing it is what would be a two hour lecture. There's an hour pre-recorded. So either with the PowerPoint or with them just talking and then the hours seminar live. So you have that extra time to process, which is really good. Um, but focusing is a nightmare. It is so fatiguing. And I think that that's because, because you're not in a room with other people, you're not getting that energy off of other people. Um, it's much harder to achieve that through a screen. So it's exhausting, so fatiguing, on top of you've already put in goodness knows how many hours trying to understand the material. Um, then you lose that verbal engagement as well. And you can't blame students and lecturers for you know sitting with their cameras off you know they're in their home space their private space they're shy it's horrid having to stare at yourself for like five hours a day but for me I don't know if you can tell I'm very verbal Elizabeth but for me that verbal engagement is so crucial to my learning and I don't get that and quite often that visual visual engagement as well. Not every lecturer, not every lecturer uses a PowerPoint. Um, not every lecturer, you know, wants to do, they'll do an audio snippet. And that's quite difficult to take all of that in. Um, so there's quite a few challenges. And again, it sort of goes back to that, having that toolbox of things that you can use um, and pros and cons, weighing them up. Wow. Wow. Well, I can't even imagine what it must be like because, um, you know, I've always been somebody that struggles to kind of do long distance learning. It's never been part of my um, things to do list, so to speak. So I really take my hat off to anyone who's at university right now and learning. Um, what year are you in, um, Georgia? What year? Is it your final year? No, second year. Second year. So I've just done submitting dissertation proposals and things like that. Um, so one more year to go in September. Yeah. And, I, and I do really say, you know, anyone who's listening right now, please don't give up. It is achievable. You can do it, um, you know, work, do your own work in the way you learn best. And like Georgia said earlier, and I'm, I am all for highlighters, post-it notes, reminders, Clara Reed, um, um, uh, Dragon, I've got the scanning pen, yes. I've got all the going on. I cannot do my essays without Dragon. I, uh, again, you know, with disabled student allowance, I wouldn't be able to study or get the grades without it because I have a printer, I have ink, I have a budget. I go through what must be about 60 pages of paper per essay because I have to verbalize it, a verbal diary, what I want to say and then I have to physically print it off to edit it and yeah 
60 60 pages per essay and there's eight so I, I can't I can't do math but it's a lot of paper I feel bad for the amount of trees that get sacrificed for my essays but that's what if that's what you've got to do that's what you've got to do exactly and I know exactly where you're coming from because I do have to highlight it I do and for me as well what's even more of a challenge um, as a dyslexic I also have to understand what each word means so I then go over the the uh, printed version that I've done highlight it break down what each word means try to understand it and then you know sort of um process it all so um it's you know I'm, you're taking me back to my um, education days now <laughs> I don't know I don't know if you ever got this extreme but when I'm in a real bind with an essay I will physically take the scissors to it and I will cut out each section and rearrange it or if there's a section that I want physically cut, I cut it and it goes. It gets physically cut with scissors and rearranged because if I'm hitting a roadblock, that's the only thing that's going to get me out of it is that physicality yeah. of rearranging and like putting and cutting things together. So it can get quite extreme. It can, it can. <laughs> but you know, you're, you're such a great example of, you know, still at uni and trying to uh, do your degree. And I know, I trust you will finish your degree. Um, I think when I spoke to you earlier, you, you were talking about perhaps doing your master's and doing your PhD. And that really did inspire me because that's something I've always kind of wanted to do. But sometimes the fear of going back into education and I thought, oh, I don't know if I want to go through what I went through. It, I mean, I had great help, amazing lecturers, and I did it. But I think for most dyslexic people, the, the initial fear is, oh, I'm going back into something I'm not very comfortable with. But you're such a true inspiration because you, you're also thinking about, you haven't even finished this yet. And you're also thinking about your master's, your PhD. And, you know, I, I'm hoping that a lot of people listening to the podcast will really, you, you're, you're inspiring them to kind of go one step further with their education. I, mean, I just yeah. want to pick up on what you said about fear. And it is a really serious and debilitating thing. I still have I still feel sick every time I submit an essay. I still feel sick until I get it back. That fear of going into any institution and thinking I am going to be judged because I learn differently or because I can't spell simple words or because I can't do these things. And it's it, it doesn't matter how lucky you've been in an experience or how unlucky you've been whether it was long ago, whether it was yesterday, it takes one person to tell you, you are stupid or you are thick or you are lazy. And that's all it takes for the damage to be done, especially to a child. And that's what I'm really passionate about making sure doesn't happen because it just is horrendous to go through that. And you live, like you were saying, Elizabeth, you live with that fear, that fear never leaves you. You just get better at handling it and harboring it. Of course, and it can really affect one's self-esteem as well. And if, um, you know, you haven't got the right sort of um, support around you. And just to go back, I mean, I was talking about Clara Reed. I was talking about, um, um, oh, see, dyslexia is gone now. Dragon and, and Reader, Reader, yeah, all that. And the scanning pen and all, all sorts. Just in case anyone's listening and want to find out any more, we will put that sort of the list maybe in our, um, uh, the caption when we post uh, our um podcast because not everybody would have heard of something like that not everybody would have been able to have yeah. been given the same tools because we're all different dyslexics all learn differently everybody's got what mm. works for them and um, Grammarly is a lifesaver for me you know absolutely oh, lifesaver I love it. 
<laughs> Thank you so much for that, um, um, Georgia. Is it, I said that right, and I. Yes, have I? Georgia, Georgia yeah, yes. you've right. you, so, you got okay. it. <laughs> now, just before we round up, um, what advice would you give to any dyslexic listening to um, you know the podcast right now? One, and two, anyone who's aspiring to go the university route. We deal with the first question first and we go back to the second, yeah. There, there are a couple of things and they're probably um, applicable to both. That ignoring people who say you can't, you have to be inspired by yourself. You have to do it for yourself. And if you don't feel like you can, you've got to fake it till you make it. You've got to fake that confidence and you've got to fake um, to your anyone actually this is who I am and I I love it and yes this might be a disability some days and yes this is hard for me but actually it makes me good at what I do because and even if you don't believe it to start it's a mantra and you've got to say it um and then for people who are looking to go to university dyslexics looking to go to university all that but in buckets full <laughs> in buckets full and I would really, really advertise taking the time to learn how you learn and learning what works best for you and learning to not be ashamed of that. And again, it's really hard. It's easy me sitting here now because I've been lucky enough to have a loving, supportive family and a mum who's dyslexic and a brother who's dyslexic and the support and when I went through those really dark periods of being told I'd never make it could never do it was thick was lazy all of those that I'm sure everyone's experienced I had someone there to hold out a hand and go no or not this is how we're gonna this is how we're gonna do it um and so yeah just don't give up ignore people who say no take the time to learn how you learn and yeah be inspired by yourself first and foremost is what I would fantastic that's so wonderful thank you so much georgia for joining us on ay dyslexia all things dyslexia podcast and thank you so much for all the information you shared with us the strategies of how you learn as a dyslexic and um hopefully um, it will help others to kind of seek help that they need and the only one last thing i wanted to say is that never give up i normally say to people look keep going Keep asking the questions, keep asking for help. Because as we all know, dyslexia is a hidden disability or a hidden learning difficulty in the sense that if you don't ask for the help, you can't get the help. Now, on this occasion, one um, thing that really helped me was the disability um, student allowance that I got. That was a life-saving for me uh, to be able to um, finish my degree and do my postgraduate and hopefully to do my master's and hopefully to do a PhD. So that's my, my um, goal at the moment. An amazing goal for you to have. I really <laughs> hope you get to do it. Thank you very much, Georgia. Is there anything else you wanted to say to our listeners before we go? I just want to say that it's a lot for someone to be sat here going, this is what you've got to do. This is how you should do it. You can do it. As Elizabeth was saying, ask for help ask questions and be kind to yourself whether you were diagnosed as a child or whether you're newly diagnosed as an adult it's a it's a process and it's a difficult thing to handle and grasp and just be kind to yourself and I think that's the most important thing 
to take away as well. Thank you. Thank you, Georgia, for joining HY Dyslexia podcast. Thank you to our listeners. We'll be back next week, same time, same place with a different topic. Bye-bye for now. The Aspire to Inspire All Things Dyslexia podcast is funded by the London Community Foundation. It's presented by Elizabeth Tashi and produced and distributed by Salt and Pepper Productions.